so like as quickly as superhero movies started, it was almost like they were dead. Yeah. But then Tim Burton does his 1989 Batman. And I think some people would say, hey, this is the comeback. I would say Tim Burton's Batman is like when the monster comes back to life at the end of a, a horror movie. Okay. It's just like the last dying breath of the first oh, wave of superhero I movies, see what right? You're saying. Sure. Like it's not like he relaunched it because superhero movies became quickly terrible after pretty much his 1989 Batman. But it was just that last grip on life. It like, was just like, yeah, we can do this. One final struggle to try to keep it alive. Yeah, exactly. Interesting. So, um, and Tim Burton kind of follows a similar path as what Donner did. He wanted to make an interesting movie about interesting characters. And he wasn't even a comic book fan when he was growing up. He was like, I could never keep track with, like, if I was supposed to read the boxes left to right or right to left or up and down. <laughs> he could never follow the action through the boxes. Sure. And so he didn't like reading them. But he liked the character of Batman and Joker. He saw it as this duel of the freaks. They're both people who suffer a catastrophic loss or horrible incident. And they react very, very differently to it. Right. But I think like Heath Ledger's Joker explains it best in The Dark Knight. Uh, you know, he says they are what happens when an unstoppable force meets an immovable object. Right, yeah. Like they are two people who are broken, shattered, dark people who do battle with each other. Like they're, they're polar opposites on the same magnet. You know what I mean? Like yeah, they, yeah, they are. Just different aspects of the same the same. Thing, same thing. phenomenon. Yeah. That's interesting. And so uh, Tim Burton takes some deviations from the story just to enhance like character development and conflict. So, and I think it was something that nerds were mad about was that they made Joker the person who killed Bruce Wayne's parents. Right, because that's not how it was canon in the, in the, in the comic books. So nerds like rebel against this and are like, how could you do this to our story? But like it led to one of the best scenes, in I think, in Batman... So when Joker kills Bruce Wayne's parents, he says to Bruce Wayne, have you ever danced with the devil in the pale moonlight? And then later, when when he's Batman, um, Joker captures, uh, what's her name? Kim Basinger. Yep. And, and knocks out Bruce Wayne and says the same thing to him. And then it all clicks in Bruce Wayne's head that Joker is the man who killed my parents. That's when he gets it. Right. And so Joker takes Kim Basinger up to the top of a bell tower and then Batman shows up and uh, taps Joker on the shoulder and says, excuse me, have you ever danced with the devil in the pale moonlight? And then punches him in the face. (laughs) (laughs) It's like the best scene in the whole movie. Probably the best scene in any Batman movie ever. (laughs) And it was all because... Tim Burton just deviated from like the source material to make Changed the movie more interesting. Yeah. Sure. And nothing wrong with that. You know what? There's a lot of the one that comes to mind is the mist. Have you seen the movie? Yeah. Have you read the book? No. So in the book, in the book, the dad and the kid are spoilers. Uh, <laughs> the dad and the kid are in their car and the mist is like, they're stuck in the mist and they hear the creatures coming Yeah. and dad pulls his gun and he's going to kill He's going to kill them, 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 both of them. Yeah. And then the military comes out of the mist yeah. and like saves the day. Oh, yeah. And in the movie, it's almost the same, but the dad kills the kid and he's about to kill himself and then the military shows up. Yeah, yeah. And it's just so much worse. And Stephen King has said, man, that's the ending I should have written. I should have written. Yeah. That's much better. 
Yeah. Which he's notorious for his endings, but um, <clears throat> yeah, I think that's that's okay. That's all right to mess around with the source if you've got something better. Yeah. And so I think another thing they did that the nerds re- revolted against was casting Michael Keaton as Batman. Right. He's a comedian. Like, that's what he had played up until that point in time. But, like, I guess when you're trying to get this dual character who has a dark and menacing alter ego, mm-hmm. but is supposed to play a billionaire playboy by day, like, a billionaire playboy is not dark, brooding, and menacing. Sure. He's got to be funny and light, and then he's got to put on a ca- costume and, and kick some ass, right? Yeah. So I think you need an actor with some versatility and so I think that's what the studio saw when they, they cast Michael Keaton, and he ends up becoming one of everybody's favorite Batmans. Hmm. And it was the same thing when they cast Heath Ledger as the Joker. Everybody was like, oh, this guy who's just in silly rom-com movies. Sure, yeah. But he was He just changed awesome. the game, yeah. He, yeah. he, was, he was such a good Joker. <laughs> yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. So uh, Tim Burton's Batman... Cost thirty five million, ends up grossing four hundred and eleven million. Okay, so he did all right against the budget. One criticism of the movie was that it was too dark. Mm. But like, if you look at the character of Batman, like it was only too dark compared to Adam West's Batman. Right, which is the opposite of dark. Yeah, it's basically a kids show. <laughs> like, but, you know, right? when I think about watching Adam West Batman at my grandma's house when I was like eight. It's yeah. really the same as like my kids watching Paw Patrol or whatever. Exactly. Now. It's like yeah. the same level of of yeah. everything. Just so silly. And I like I remember watching it as a kid and knowing that like Bruce Wayne became Batman because somebody killed his parents and I'm like I'm just watching it and I'm like why isn't that driving him? Like he just doesn't seem to <laughs> care that he was an orphan. He doesn't talk about it. It's not isn't that like what's yeah. supposed to drive and motivate him? And yeah. Does, like in this show, he doesn't care. So I think like it, you have an orphan who sees his parents killed. That's a dark starting point. Indeed. Like, so, so Tim Burton's movie isn't like especially dark. It's just, it's a dark story to begin with. Yeah. So don't give him too much credit for creating the dark superhero and don't really criticize him for making a dark superhero because Batman's whole story is dark, like death of the parents. But do you think if it would have been a different director, that same criticism would have applied? Because anything Tim Burton touches is just is dark, dark and weird. You yeah, know? I think like he'd only really done Beetlejuice up until this point in time. Okay, so I don't think he'd really established his weird Edward Scissorhands, sure, kind of Alice in Wonderland. Yeah, Helena Bonham Carter, Johnny Depp. Helena Bonham Carter, indeed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I yeah. He hasn't established it yet. Sure. But I think, like, it was darker than what they'd seen, but I guess nobody's taking a step back and saying, oh, wait, this is actually a dark story. Yeah. Right? Sure, indeed. But I know, like, in later interviews, like when Batman Begins came out and The Dark Knight came out, Tim Burton sits back and he says, oh, yeah, I guess I started all this. Oh, really? I'm like, wait, like, let's let's back up here. Let's look at, like the next three Batman movies. Like, how did you start dark movies? Like, was it Penguin, who's always making, like, sexual comments to Catwoman? Was that the dark thing you inspired? Or was it Jim Carrey's Riddler? 
<laughs> in like green jumpsuits or was it right. Arnold Schwarzenegger's constant one-liners? Like that was the superhero movie you started. That was the the superhero movies that followed what Tim Burton made. Yeah, right. You know, right. in Christopher Nolan, you don't hear him say, "Oh, if Tim Burton hadn't made his movie, I don't know how he could have done Batman Begins." Sure. Right? Like, nobody's crediting Burton for making the dark superhero other than Tim Burton. Other than Tim Burton. All right, <laughs> right? so just take it easy, Tim. Who's who's Tim Burton's biggest fan, right? Like <laughs> Helena Bonham Carter. Helena Carter. And Tim Burton. And Johnny Depp. <laughs> and Johnny Depp. Or even, like, Batman and Robin, you get George Clooney wearing nipples. body armor with nipples. <laughs> yeah, the classic right? Batman nipples. The classic Batman nipples and cod pieces. And, yeah. And rubber butt like the, the body armor was sculpted <laughs> around his, it had a sculpted butt crack in it, like, like right into the actual <laughs> cheeks. Butt, yeah, maybe that's so. I mean, functionally, if I was just getting literally the shit kicked out of me all the time, <laughs> like maybe that did that serve a purpose. Because it. it's got to it, be hard to keep fighting crime when you have poop floating around in your rubber jumpsuit. <laughs> Well, Joel Joel Schumacher, who did Batman and Robin, yeah, is gay, and okay. that was one of the things people asked him. Like, were you trying to include gay BDSM? Yeah, is this a, in your is movies? this a gay thing? Like the butt and, <laughs> he's stuff. like, no, it's not a gay thing, and it didn't look that gay to me. It's making the movie. I'm sorry. It, he's like, it didn't look that gay to me. Well, <laughs> well, that, you are gay. You're gay. <laughs> Well, maybe we have to edit that. I don't know. Now that there's anything wrong with that. Yeah, maybe <laughs> no, we If that's the way you are. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, so that's where you you kind of end off with Batman and Robin in the late 90s. There are a bunch of other um, superhero but movies. How well did those kinda... movies do? Did Batman Begins, like, any any of those, those three, like, weird Batmans that were just too goofy but too, you know... I don't like, know. They were just all strange, right? Yeah. Like Val Batman, Kilmer, George Clooney, and uh, what was the other one? Michael Keaton did one and two. Oh, no. He so, was Batman and so, Batman. Okay, Returns. so then it was just Batman Begins, or Batman Forever and Batman and Robin. Yeah, and like Batman Forever, I saw that movie in the theater when I was about eight or nine, and that was one of my favorite movies for a long time. I loved it when we were kids, but it's such yeah. a goofball, like... It's so weird. Oh, it is. I think so. I think with Batman Forever, they're trying to make it give it more mass appeal. Well, and it was more. They were more comic booky, don't you think? Like that's the feeling I get. Not that I know anything about comic books, but in Batman Forever, you've got like I'm just picturing like the Hippodrome when they do the the circus. There's a circus. Yeah. Who goes to a circus? But there's a yeah. circus, and it's a dark circus. And there's those huge, like, ripped Polynesian or black guys yeah. up on the drums. Da, da, da. And yeah, it's just yeah. such a comic book, like, crazy visual thing. And then Riddler's got his weird tower. Yeah. You know, with all the... It's just so extreme and visually it's, insane. Well, it became very cartoonish, right? And Joel, like, yeah. Joel Schumacher did Batman Forever, and he did Batman and Robin. And by the time he got to Batman and Robin... <laughs> Every time he'd start scenes, he'd be, tell the actors, he's like, remember, you're in a cartoon, everyone. And he wanted to do it as more oh, of a... Oh, interesting. He wanted to start doing an homage to the Adam West Batman movies. and that's So that I'm was like, kind of the idea, to get a little goofier. Yeah, but it just, like, he took it too far. It was a strange thing. Like, they were, they were really strange. Yeah. Like, I remember Batman and Robin just being like, eh. Like, I, I was starting to notice girls, and I really liked Alicia Silverstone and Uma Thurman. Indeed. And that was what made that movie for me, but... Other than that, like, 
it, yeah, it was just a weird movie, and it was because huh. he was trying to do this weird slapstick comedy. So it just kind of it devolved into insanity, right? Yeah. And uh, it was the same kind of thing that happened with Superman before it. Hmm. So you start out with a good showrunner who's wants to tell a good story and just is like, okay, if Batman's going to be the main character, okay, Batman's the main character in my interesting story. Yeah. Right? But, uh, I mean, how is that different? Is is that insanity really different from Batman and Batman Returns? I think, like, Batman, the first Batman... Like, I, ha- I haven't seen them in so long that I can't comment, really, but I can just remember Joker pulling a revolver out of his suit that's, like, 18 feet long. A comically big... Yeah. Yeah, and I'm like, maybe they're the same. And obviously, Danny DeVito in long underwear, like there's something, <laughs> there's something along the same vein as Jim Carrey also in long underwear. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I think like Batman Returns had so much innuendo in it, my parents wouldn't let me watch it. <laughs> I didn't know why they wouldn't let me watch it. They were like, you can watch Batman, you, you can watch Batman forever, but you cannot watch Batman Returns. And I'm like, why not? All my friends have seen it. They're like, no, you just can't see it. Um, yeah. Interesting. So you end up getting a bunch of other... I think people try, tried riding the superhero wave in the mid-90s. Yeah. The, the Superman or the Batman superhero wave. Right. So there is like there so you get this movie it's called Steel and it starred Shaq. I remember that. You remember? I don't remember. I never I saw remember. it but I remember I remember knowing about it. Oh, okay. I just knew about Shazam. I didn't know he was in another movie. But that movie made 16 million or it had a 60 million dollar budget, 1.7 million gross. Oh! <laughs> like, oh no! Yeah. That's oh wow! And then you had the Phantom with Billy Zane in a purple jumpsuit. Yeah, I remember that. I had the ring from the cereal box. And then the Shadow with Alec Baldwin, which made forty-eight million against a forty million dollar budget. Oof! Just barely squeaking by. You had the Crow, which was like okay. It made fifty million against a twenty-five million. Oh yeah, the Crow was that a comic book? Yeah, it was a comic. Wow. Uh, yeah, I watched The Crow actually in preparation for this. and How was it? Cult, it's a cult classic for sure. Yeah. Cult <laughs> <laughs> classic. <laughs> uh, enough said. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, Judge Dredd was a comic too. $113 million Yeah. Against $90 million budget. Jeez, they're, they're just not doing well, are they're they? They're not doing nearly as well as what... Superman one or Batman one did. Uh, Spawn made eighty eight million against forty five million. That's better. And again, like when you take into consideration marketing costs, which aren't included, movie, in that. which aren't included, so a lot of them are losing money. Losers, yeah, yeah. And so, I think with these movies, they start doing more of a like by the book adaptation. They're not telling a good story; they're just telling the story that's in the comic book. Interesting. And they're not trying to give it mass appeal. They're really doing like just. A nerdy fan service, I think. Like when, I the trailer for Spawn versus Spawn the movie, it's like a huh. night and day difference, right? Yeah. And I like one other thing I think that happened is that you get these plots, these simplistic plots that appeal to kids, but they start adding language and violence that is for adults. Yeah. And so they can't. They're they're canceling out both audiences, right? That was something I noticed with Spawn was that like. This plot is over. Like I watched it, I think probably I was probably thirteen or fifteen when I first watched it, and uh, I was like, "Man, this 
movie would have been awesome when I was eight or nine. Sure, yeah. But I'm feeling a little too old for this. Yeah. But the the visuals and the violence is awesome, but the story as a whole is like good for me as an eight-year-old. Kind of a mess. I think like Judge Dredd was like that too. So... <clears throat> I, so I guess that's – is this what we're saying? Is this the problem with the superhero movie typically is they're they're taking – they're trying to stay too close to the source material? Yeah. I think Like that's what happened. And that's why I was saying like at the beginning, people don't actually like superhero movies. If you actually adapt the comic book hmm. scene for scene, like plot point for plot point, nobody really likes it. Like there's a reason why nobody goes out and buys comic books like crazy. Don't like, they don't, though? No, maybe you don't, they don't anymore. You don't go to work and talk to people about no. the comic book you read. You but talk to kids, people about the movie you saw. Kids used to do that, though. Kids used I, to buy comics all the time. I bought comics all the time. I didn't know any other kids in school who bought comics. I didn't either. I didn't buy them for sure, but I feel like there's tons of people that buy comics. But, like, nobody... I don't, I don't know I, them. It, it's a very niche kind of comic book nerd culture, right? Okay. It's not... It, comic books don't have mass appeal. Sure. That's fair. Right? Yeah. They don't. They're, they're a niche product. And so, like, I'd never, I'd never go to school and be like, did you read issue 107 of X-Men Unlimited or Uncanny X-Men or whatever? But I would definitely go to school and be like, did you see the episode of Malcolm in the Middle last night? Sure. Right? So, I just don't think... So, when they do these more by-the-book adaptations of comic book heroes, nobody cares. Because people don't care about the comic books in the first place, right? That's interesting. So I see what you're saying. I get it. Like, yeah, we don't care about superheroes. We care and, about good characters and interesting stories. Now you know what though. I thought that these movies were worse than they are, but Batman, yeah, 1989, 35 million dollar budget made 400 million. Yeah, Batman Returns made 266 on a budget of 80. Yeah. Batman Forever made 336 on a budget of 100. And yeah. Batman and Robin, even after the Batman Forever fiasco, made 238 million on a budget of 160 million. So like that Batman was, and, yeah, Batman and Robin probably lost money, but like Batman Forever is hugely successful. It did well. Yeah, they tripled yeah. their their money there. Yeah. So So I don't know. Maybe superhero movies aren't as bad as I thought they were. I mean, they're bad movies, but some but people are going to them. <laughs> Yeah, like even yeah, people went to the I don't know, like Batman Forever had huge mass appeal to children. Like they started watering it down for kids. It seems like it's too old for kids. Like I feel like I don't want my kids to watch it. Batman Forever I saw it in the theater I was eight that year. Yeah, but your parents are worse than me at parenting. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> Probably maybe. not. Probably too. not. Yeah, me uh maybe. Maybe your maybe your wife just has a better influence on you than my mom had on my dad. Maybe that's Probably. true. <laughs> well, okay. I don't know. So then, okay, so we're getting out of the Batman thing, right? We're into the mid nineties. Yeah. Batman, yeah, so was, Batman and Robin was what ninety seven, and then yeah. Judge Dredd. We're talking Judge Dredd. Some more comic book movies. There's a lot of comic book movies now that are really kind of going under the radar, right? They're just kind of, I guess you know what they probably are. Yeah, is we've got Batman in 1989 that does really well. Then Batman Returns in 19... What is this? 1992, three years later. And then Batman Forever 95 is two years later. 
and then Batman and Robin is 97. So it's like every couple years we kill it with Batman original and we're just like, okay, we, we made money with the superhero movie. Let's just keep cranking out Batman movies. And then superhero movies are doing pretty well for us. So let's, let's throw some crap at the wall and see what sticks. Let's do some judge dread. Let's do steel. Let's do whatever. And when you start doing that, I think that's when movies start to suck. Totally. So maybe that's what happened. That we is had, what we had a glory is. day. We had a we had a, a good couple movies where people had passion projects and they had money behind them to make good movies, and then the studio sees that, and so they just throw everything they have at trying to we replicate start, those results. Exactly. So I think at this point in time, the late nineties, that it looked like the sun had set on superhero movies, Indeed. and no one was going to make one. That's all for part two. Please join us for part three where we get into the resurrection of superhero movies and the MCU. Don't forget to write a review or send hate mail to garagebanddads at gmail.com.